welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. This morning we have the Pressing In series, and uh, we, which we uh, started uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and um, we are going to read from Philippians 3 verse 12. Is that okay? Philippians chapter 3. It says this, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This morning I want to speak on two words, and that is that I. He says, not that I have already attained. And he goes on and he says, but I press on. And then he says, but I do not count myself. In verse 14 he says, I press. And what Paul is doing is he's exposing his vulnerability. He's declaring where he's at, where he wants to go, and his intention. That's a vulnerable thing to do. Because by nature, we tend to be, try to be a little bit more candid by our, what we want to do so that people can't judge us on our failure. Yeah. We, don't want, we, we don't tell too many people. Paul's just told the whole world. <laughs> yeah, everybody were going, did you, did you actually press in, Paul? Did you achieve? But Paul has set himself up so that he is vulnerable and he's declared a confession and a statement of faith which begins to reverberate out. And Paul has discovered that you're never going to get anywhere unless you're prepared to declare that that's where you're going. You can't achieve a destination in secret. That You can't decide within yourself. It's like the person who decides within themselves, I'm going on a diet. I'm not telling anyone, I'm just going on a diet. That way, if I don't do my diet... No one will know. <laughs> and no one knows because you don't do your diet, do you? <laughs> you get past the first meal time, and then it's like, mm, okay, the chocolate bar was just sitting there. I couldn't help it. It was saying, eat me, eat me, and I had to. And uh, the biscuits. And, and so it's amazing how, you know, to set yourself up for a destiny in God, there has to be a confession. And the confession has to expose the vulnerability of who you are. And it's not just about a declaration to God. It's a declaration to one another. It's about a place of accountability. It's about establishing a life direction that is outside of the normal events of life if you were to just live every day without thinking. Do you know they said of... um, some university students that were studied many years ago, they did a survey of the students uh, and wanted to know what their dreams, what their visions were. And they discovered that 90% of them didn't have a clue what they were going to do when they left university. They discovered that um, 7%, you know, kind of had a stronger sort of... uh, 3% knew exactly what they wanted to do. And they declared that this is what I'm going to do. What they discovered 10 years later, when they come back to the same students, that the 3% had achieved more than the 
97% put together. Because they had declared in themselves where it is that they're going to go. Now, we have to understand that we're not just living by positive confession or strong intention. We are actually living by a declaration of faith we have in Jesus Christ. When Paul is revealing his vulnerability, he's revealing it because he's declaring that he hasn't yet found that place in Christ where he wants to be. He says, I haven't yet attained it. I I haven't got there yet. You know, one of the, the biggest mistakes that we tend to make is that we tend to look at those who are ahead of us thinking that they've got there. But they haven't got there. They're still on the journey. And, and you know, I, I believe in heroes. But I also believe in real heroes, not like superheroes. Paul spoke to the early church and the trouble they had in the early church, and I've met many people who say, oh, wouldn't it have been exciting church life in the early church wouldn't wouldn't it have been great you know what trust me you wouldn't want to be there it was horrendous it was difficult because people are people people are people and you have to deal with humanity and 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 selfishness and 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 uh, and all kinds of different things and Paul says to the the early church and he says you know, we are not, I'm not a super apostle. You've got, you've got people who declare themselves. I'm not one of those super apostles. I'm just an apostle. In other words, I've got a place and a position in Jesus Christ and I know what that position is, but I'm not that super. And we have to determine within our hearts that we don't look at people as being super. But we do understand that they, they've gone somewhere, so we see them as a standard that, of a journey, but knowing they haven't got there yet, because we haven't got there yet. And so we, we have to create this vulnerability. And Paul, he creates this vulnerability, and he begins to declare where it is that he wants to go. You know, if you confess Jesus Christ, then that confession will empower the heavens to be open to you. It says in Luke's Gospel, Luke's gospel is the second gospel in the New Testament in the Bible. And it says this, Luke 12, verse 8. Jesus is speaking to them. He says, also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. Now, what does that mean? What is... What are we to do? Because some people have said, well, if I just confess Jesus Christ. What he's talking about is the confession of the vulnerability of your life that you need God more each day you create a vulnerability rather than a like a protection by nature we've learned to protect ourselves don't let people get too close otherwise we might get hurt how many of you know what it feels like? how many of you know what it feels like to be hurt you understand that there is a by nature we have to hold ourselves up but the gospel is about bringing those walls down that we're creating. So you know what? I'm just going to put myself right out there. I'm going to stand on the line and I'm going to say, I need Jesus Christ. I don't have all the answers. I'm not that clever. I'm not that holy. I know that's a shock to you. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I, I... I can't do it all. I need Jesus Christ. I confess that I haven't 
apprehended the thing that I was running toward. I didn't, I haven't reached the baton yet. I haven't taken a hold of it yet. But I'm doing everything I can right now. I'm putting it out there. I'm telling Jesus Christ. I'm telling the world. I'm putting it out there. I'm confessing that Jesus Christ is my Lord and I'm going to run after him. And the Bible says that if you make that confession, then your protection is guaranteed that Jesus Christ is, is there for you, confessing you, your name, before the angels. Now that's important because we don't talk about angels much, mainly because people get weird when, they, when you do. There's a lot of weird stuff about angels, isn't there? But there's even angelology. I think, is it angelology? Or something like that. It sounds weird. And... And people create this mystical thing and they have pictures of angels and they, and they even put angels and they have wings. Angels don't have wings. That's just what the Renaissance did when they started painting angels and, and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> angels don't have wings. Angels are, angels are messengers of God. They're there for a covering and protection. Angels are here. They're in this room. They're all going, woohoo, he's talking about us. <laughs> They haven't mentioned us for years. <laughs> All the work we've been doing, not a thanks, you know. <laughs> but the Bible says that there are angels and they minister to us. Now, we don't talk about angels much because we're not there to worship them. We're not there to pray to them or even talk to them. That's not our job. Sometimes they're there to talk to us, to guide us, to cover us, to protect us. Sometimes there's a... My parents... Um, had a situation where they actually um, believed that they had a one of those moments with an angel. They were driving in the country lanes of um, East Sussex down on the marshes and while they were driving on every um, Tuesday they would go for a picnic and um, they had um, they had gone out on their little picnic and packed the car and they're driving down onto the marshes and the lane, some of the areas, the, 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 the hedges, the roads are very narrow and the hedges are very high and they're driving her and they're just turning into this, into this road and they can see a helicopter hovering over above, a police helicopter and they're watching it and, and there's my mum and dad and they go, ooh, what's that, you know, driving like this. In your eyes. <laughs> and, it's, and suddenly they hear behind them, now this is a narrow road there's, there was no one around, and suddenly they hear behind them this, this just enormous shout. And my mum says, all I could see was this policeman's face from outside the car shouting, get back, like that. So, Dad, there's my mum, dead, dead, reverse, reverse. <laughs> Dad's reverse. He's trying to get... <laughs> and he reverses the car, literally as he reverses past... A car comes flying past doing 60, 70 miles an hour, followed by two police cars. They'd gotten to a junction and they'd come round the corner and this car came flying past, followed by two, three police cars following past. And as they flew past, they got to that junction. Behind them, they turned round, no one there. The road was empty, there was nothing there. No one, there wasn't anywhere for them to go. Mum came home and just went, it was an angel. You know what? Angels are there. I had a situation where I was riding my motorbike. When I had a motorbike, I was death on two wheels. So, and uh, I, and um, I just, I was trying my, it was, a, it was a tight bend and I was doing my best to get as fast around it as I possibly could. 
And uh, so it was a 125, and Cheryl's brother had made it faster. And uh, it did about 130 miles an hour. And um, it was unrestricted. Maybe I shouldn't be confessing this. (laughs) And I came round the corner, uh, and I've got the bike right down as low as you can get it, but I can't hold onto the road, and I'm drifting across the road onto the other side. You can't see round the corner. I'm on my way to see Cheryl, and... uh, uh, <laughs> she may have had to wait <laughs> for a, t- a long time to see me. And I'm coming round. And as I came round, there are two vehicles, one a car then a, and then an articulated lorry. And I'm going 60, 65 miles an hour. As I come round the corner, this car comes around, and I try and ride it up. I clip my foot. I catch my foot, which is just trainers I'm wearing. I catch it in the wheel arch uh, of the, the rear arch of the car. I catch it. Bang, I hit the, the, um, the handlebars, clip the, the, the rear wing of the car. I catch the car. It pulls me round behind the car. I then, natu- obviously, I just correct it. So I'm doing, si- I don't know how much I've slowed down to, but I'm doing 60. I smash, bang, turn. Now I'm on the opposite side of the road, flipped behind the car, going towards an articulated lorry. And all I can see is lorry. <laughs> the next second, I'm on the other side of the road on the footpath coming to a stop I'd say that was an angel right <laughs> probably broke his leg broke his neck <laughs> smashed it away, uh, feathers everywhere <laughs> you gotta give me another person I'm not doing this anymore <laughs> there are the Bible says you confess me before men, I will confess you before the angels of God. Now, what I would say is this. Don't ride a bike fast, round corners. Because <laughs> you might not come off the same. You can't take my story and say it's alright. But know this. God is there to cover and protect you. But we have to walk in wisdom and understanding. But we are here to understand that in our confession, there is breakthrough. All right? In our confession, there is breakthrough. Breakthrough. Now, before we pursue a life direction, we have to pursue a faith confession. All right? Before we pursue a life direction, we have to pursue a faith confession. In other words, we can't just say we think to ourselves, we're going to be something, we're going to go somewhere, I'm going to get my life sorted. A lot of people think, I'm just going to get my life sorted out. But to get your life sorted out, there has to be a faith confession, not just a confession, a faith confession. And a faith confession is a declaration of your love and your relationship for Jesus Christ. Now, what do we know about confession? We know that words can be cheap. How many of us have said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that? And then we didn't. That's, I mean, I hope I'm not the only one in the room. (laughs) This is what I'm going to do. I find that I declare that I'm going to do things and I discover that I don't do them. I declare, decide that I'm going to go somewhere and I I don't go there. I decide that there are things we're going to do because we discovered that words are cheap. Words of the mouth, words of 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 the mind, words that we just, things we like, things we feel. But we have to understand that there are words of the heart 
And when we confess from the heart, we confess from the core of who we are. And that's what changes the direction of our life. This is what Paul was saying. When he began to confess, when he said that I, he exposed his vulnerability, but he declared something about his heart, of who he was. And we have to understand, see Jesus, it says in Luke 8, 15, it says, Jesus explains how the seed produces fruit. It says, but the ones that fell on the good ground, this is the story of the the uh, sower who went out to sow some seed. There's a story in the Bible and Jesus talks about how sowing seed, his word, his faith, what he brings to us is seed which falls into our heart that produces good fruit. And he says the sower went out to sow some seed and some fell on good ground, some fell on thorny ground, some fell on stony ground, some fell on different ground and where it fell is to what, depending on what happened to it. Now, in verse 15, he's, ex- he's explaining the parable. He says, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. You see, our confession isn't the shallow words of what we feel and what we think. They come from the deep wells of what Christ has put into our hearts. And so many times we find ourselves saying, but if we stop, the Bible says, those who hear the word, they keep it. And with much patience, they keep the word. And they let it produce something. In other words, they begin to confess what Christ has put into their heart. But so often we live our lives in the shallow waters of events that are going on around us. We are easily moved by the waves of situations and circumstances. This morning, I got into, uh, I got into church early um, and um, Joe was uh, already here and uh, we were up in the office and he showed me the video of um, some of the weather news videos and stuff and he just showed me this clip of this wave breaking over... Um, breaking over a bridge and rushing through a town and, and you know and we can be affected by the, the waters that, that rush through our life but they're not the deep waters that's not the things that should really move us what should move us is the seed that has been sown into our hearts that was good and so we have to take a step back and go well what was good in my life that's what I confess. I confess what is good that I might know what Christ can do in me. Paul says that I may lay hold, that I may take those things which he has given me. And so we have to, we have to understand that, see, there's a confession. Now, before... Um, Last year, to end of 2012, I did a 90-day Daniel fast, which is quite a long time. For those of you who don't know, a Daniel fast is just basically a, a uh, vegetarian fast. Um, and my, you know, people talk about it and they create these rules. On, on the internet, you can find what is a Daniel fast and what isn't. But let's face it, right? It's, we kind of really just make it up. 
So I decided what my Daniel fast was. It didn't include burgers, chips. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided because I wanted to get a breakthrough in my health, and I wanted to get into God a bit more, but primarily I wasn't overly healthy. Now, what I discovered was um, in all my years previous to doing a 90-day fast that I've never successfully fasted more than two or three days. I think I've done a week, but have possibly cheated consistently through it. <laughs> so I'm not sure it counts. So, I've been in ministry for many, many years. I've been saved for much longer. I've been preaching since I was 18. And so that's going to be, this year that will be 30 years. I've been preaching the gospel. And I've never fasted more than two or three days. And when I have, it was horrible. I was irritable with myself. I was irritable with God. What do you think? Fasting. What's this all about? I'm fasting just because I'm fasting. It was horrible. So I decided that I created a doctrine that I don't fast. It's okay with me and Jesus. We're okay about this. And I also had health issues which didn't actually allow me to fast. There were, there, I had health issues which, which made it even more difficult for me to fast. And so there's good justification to my theory. I also could, could draw on experience. Smith Wigglesworth famously didn't fast. If he didn't have to, I don't have to. <laughs> and so, um, for those of you who don't know, Smith Wigglesworth was a, um, was a healing evangelist uh, back in the late um, 19th, early 20th century and, and saw God and God did amazing things in his life. But then God spoke into my heart and he spoke into my heart in the middle of August and he said to me, I want you to do a 90-day Daniel fast. What he spoke into my heart enabled me to take a, make a confession that wasn't based on a feeling. Because my feelings were, I don't want to do that. That's a stupid thing. Who would do that? You're going to, you just, all oh, your clothes, you have to buy new clothes. It's, I mean, if you're a woman, that sounds amazing. But for a bloke, that's hell. That's like, <laughs> you're going to go to the shop and buy more clothes? What's wrong with it? You've got clothes. Why can't I? I had all, I've got all this still in my wardrobe now. I lost like uh, four inches around my waist. And, and uh, so I've got all these jeans and I still can't throw them away. I, I don't know what to do with them. And uh, so the natural thing to lose weight, but see, I, I didn't want to do that. But God put something in my heart. And out of my heart came a confession. And out of a confession came the power to walk it through. Now, I want to show you a scripture here because I want you to see this. It says in Romans, and I haven't got it written down. So we're going to go to it right now. It's not in it. It's in Romans chapter 10. I often quote this scripture because it's one of the most important um, scriptures of understanding faith and understanding how to walk through. And I'm just going to pull this up. Romans chapter 10. That's where you're praying the internet is fast enough. Here we go. Romans 10 verse 8 says this, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. 
that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now this is really important because what happens is that we have to understand that with the heart comes the confession of the seed. See, God has planted something into your heart. We're looking for God. We look for God in the outer things of our life, saying, God, where are you, God? But the seed is in your heart. And if you'll confess with your heart, you will confess a breakthrough that you've never seen in your outer life. You can't find it out there. You have to find what God has put into your heart. Now, it says here in, verse, in Hebrews 2, verse 1, don't have to go there, I'll just read it to you. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. You see, if we don't consider what God has put in our heart, we are vulnerable to life's events and the situations that are going on around us. Now, how many of you know what it's like to suffer that vulnerability? We all do. We've all suffered shipwreck from time to time in our lives. And some of us have had more serious shipwreck than others. And there are so many such situations and circumstances that we've been through. And we've gone, God, what was going on? But you've got to understand, God has got a better plan for you. He didn't fail you. He didn't let you down. There is not a time to judge your life, but it's time to come back and say, God, what did you put in my heart? I know that those events were not your plan for my life. So what is your plan for my life? What did you put in my heart? And so we begin to come back to Jesus Christ and we begin to establish a confession not based on feeling, not based on on whims and dreams and, and any of those fanciful things, the emotions of our life, but we begin to confess according to the promises of His Word which were established in our heart, which we know to be true, yet we may not have experienced or walked through, but we know it's true because it's in there. And that's what we confess. You see, if you confess Him, you will not be put to shame. If you confess Him, Paul confessed you. He said, I want to apprehend God. Now we know that Paul finished the race well. But he did so because he confessed. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy 32. And I want to finish just here. Deuteronomy 32 verse 46 says this. And he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. This is an incredible scripture with promise. Set your hearts on these words. Set your heart on these things. No, you see, if you confess out of your heart, you confess out of the deep wells of faith, not out of the shallow waters of feeling or emotion. We've all spoken out of emotion, haven't we? We've spoken out of anger. We've spoken out of offense. We've spoken. We've Sometimes, you know... How many of you know what it's like to just be so angry you don't know what to do? It's not a good feeling, is it? You can just be so angry. There's many things that can make you angry. 
I'm not going to go there. And uh, <laughs> if I start talking about the things that make me angry, I might get angry. You know? <laughs> Calm thoughts. There's a lot of things in life that can just throw you off. They just bat you around the head that just push you. They're the, the shallow waters that race across the road like the rivers that burst their banks. They just, they just race you. They catch you by your feet before you know where you realize. But these are not the waters that we draw from. The waters we draw from are the deep wells of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalms that deep draws un- uh, calls unto deep, that we draw from the deep things of God, the true promises are the still waters of God that come from deep wells and we draw from that faith, we draw from that promise, but we know that if we confess these things and keep them in our heart don't let it go don't let it go don't try and rationalize it or reason with it, don't try and rationalize with what God has spoken in your heart and compare it to your life's events don't try and weigh the two up Because life events happen around us, but God's word is still his word. His promises are greater. They are not moved by them. They're not shaped by them. But as we believe in him, so we are able to walk in him. Amen? Let's pray, shall we? For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.